Welcome to Fuel for Today, curated audio content from Pastor Bogdan Kipko. We are confident this will fuel your faith in the one who gives faith. If you have breath in your lungs, God has a plan for your life, a plan that is far better, bigger, and immensely more than anything you have ever imagined. Now, God didn't just create the universe. God is the center of the universe. God's creativity is so rich and so expansive that the moment he thinks of something, he can create it instantly. He can do that because he's God. And there's nothing confining God. Now, here's my question to you and to me. If we understand the bigness and the great greatness of God, and we understand how limitless God is, if all of this is true, why then do we presume to question or judge how God operates? If we agree that God is the center of the universe, if we agree, agree that God is in control of everything, why then do we as humans tend to question why God operates, how God operates? When we talk about our life, it's very brief. Um, it, it may frustrate you, it might depress you, but this is the reality. And I did some calculations uh, a couple days ago. This is what I do. I calculate stuff when I'm not doing anything else. And I calculated. I thought, you know, the Bible says that normally, on average, people live about 70 years of age. And those with greater strength, okay, live about 80 years of age. And so, even though math is not my strongest suit, I began to calculate. And I, said, okay, I thought, okay, I'm 31. And so, if God by his mercy and grace, gives me strength. And if I couple that with P90X and everything else, okay, so we're doing good. Uh, not too much stress from ministry, so yeah. Um, that gives me about 50 years or so. 50 years! And then what I did was, I was like, 50 years, that sounds like a long time. But then I'm like, but that's only 50 Christmases. That's only 50 New Year's. That's only 50 Fourth of Julys, right? And so when I begin to think of that, I, I begin to think of the brevity of life. And I look in scripture, James talks about this. He says, what is your life for you are a mist or a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes? So when we look at our life's issues, problems, complexities, when we look at it from an eternal perspective that we're here temporarily, that God is amazing, God is good, God is great, God is in control of everything we should have a different outlook. We shouldn't question how God functions. So here's what happens. The depth of God, it's beyond our understanding. The judgment of God, how God does things, always right, he never makes a mistake, always scores 100%. The mind of God, it's beyond our mind, we don't understand it. The wisdom of God, it's infinite. The gifts of God, it's continuous. He constantly gives his gifts. Now, here's what people tend to, to, to say. Because if you're somebody who wants to understand the bigness and the greatness of God, you're saying, God, you're great, you're big, I love it, I trust you completely. But here's what people are going to say, because we are allergic to the idea that God is limitless. We are allergic, or we don't like the idea that God knows everything, God is in charge of everything, because it makes us act in different ways. It makes us subject to Him. So here's what many times people say. People question when a disaster happens, right? How many times have you guys heard like social media, whatever, 
disaster happens, right? Millions of people die, and it's a very sad situation. People say, you know what? Where was God in that situation? We've heard of that, right? Now, here is what's kind of wrong with that kind of a way of thinking. Have you ever wondered this following thing? We question when a disaster happens, but we don't say anything about why disasters don't happen more often. Have you ever thought about that? We question why bad things happen, but when good things continuously happen, we seem to take it for granted. So when we're driving down the road and there's not a big, humongous, black, gaping hole that opens up in front of our car every moment, although it could potentially with all the different uh, sources that are telling us, we think it's normal. We think it's completely cool that gravity somehow pulls us down. We're not like floating around like helium balloons at Party City, and yet we think it's completely normal. But it's not. We take things for granted. How many times have we taken a smile we've had for granted? When we laugh, we take it for granted. The food, the good food we eat, we take it for granted. Fun times we have, we take it for granted, even though it's a gift from God. God does not need to give us anything, yet He does because He loves us. That's the greatness of God. So when a few years ago, my... Um, my dad passed away from cancer. A few years before that, my wife's dad passed away from cancer. And we grieved over that. And we had moments where we asked God, why? Why did you take away people that are so close to us? But what happens is the more you understand the bigness and the greatness of God, how unsearchable are his ways. God's knowledge is infinite. It's limitless. So if he did that at that particular moment, it must have been that way. And God will be glorified. Amen? God will be glorified. And so why does this, instead of asking God why disasters happen in your life, Here's what I challenge you to do today. You should ask why disasters don't happen that often. Now, why is this so terrifying for you and for me? Why is this so kind of scary a little bit? That based on these verses, we have nothing to negotiate with God with, okay? So we can't barter with Him. We have nothing to counsel God on. We can't be like, hey, God, can I be your life coach, right? doesn't work that way. God's like, I created your life. I am the coach, greatest coach you'll ever have, right? And we have nothing to bargain with. But do we really live like that? How many times have we bartered or tried to negotiate with God? I know I have, point in case. Maybe you're just as bad as I am, I hope, because I'll feel a lot better about myself. How many times have you been driving on the road and you see a cop who's basically has a radar gun like pointed at you, right? And you're doing 20 over the speed limit and you whiz past the police officer. Now, if you're religious or you grew up in a religious family, what do you do right away? You pray, right? I heard that. I heard that. Good job for being honest. And you pray. What do you say? Um, God, I come to you in Jesus' name. Your name is holier than any other name out there. I praise you. Please, God, my insurance is expired. Tabs aren't paid. Please, please let the cop not see me. And if he doesn't see me this time, I promise you, never again will I miss church. I'll go to every Bible study. I'll start tithing. I'll share the gospel with 3.5 people at my work. 
every day. God, please. Right? We've done that. Now, God in his grace and mercy sometimes gives you tickets. Sometimes he doesn't. For the record, every single time I've gotten stopped, I've gotten a ticket. Never could I negotiate out of it or argue out of it. I don't know, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm not that pretty. But anyway, um, so what happens is we do those kinds of things regardless of what our theology says. But how great is God? And so what about when the, uh, the cop doesn't see? What about when you do something wrong and, and uh, you're praying no one catches you or exposes you? God knows it. God is limitless. God is everywhere. And we, sit, we tend to say things like, God, if only you save me from this situation, I promise I will never do it again. The Bible says, who has counseled God? Who has bartered with him? Who has negotiated with him? No one. We cannot negotiate with God. He knows what he's doing. Now, here's another mistake that we tend to make. We say, you know what, God? I understand how big and how great you are. I'm going to repay you by serving you, right? And serving God is amazing. Being involved, being plugged into local church, it's 100% amazing. But here's the thing, though. Here's what Acts 17.25 says. It says, Nor is God served by human need, hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything he does. My question is this. How can you serve God? How can, can, you, can you do something for God that he's going to really be impressed with? Does God need anything to eat? Can you cook him a, like an amazing meal that he's going to be really impressed with? Right? Can you invite him to a party and say, God, I threw you a huge party. Are you going to be impressed by it? Are you going to be like, God, I want to, I want to play a song for you. I hope you really like it. And God's going to be like, okay, uh, let me, give me a try, right? Bust out the harp, right? So, so <clears throat> the point is to not discourage you from wanting to serve God, but it's to help you understand God is so big. God is so great. If only you and I stood in awe of who God is, we would want to do those things, not so that God could be pleased with us, but because we are so pleased with God. And so very often in our Christian life, here's the mistake we make. It's like a 50-50 project we undertake with God. We think our faith is like a cosmic vending machine. If you shake God hard enough, he'll, he'll give you what you want. But here's the thing, friends. You can do a lot of religious activity, okay? You can attend church. You can do all these different things. But the one thing that you cannot be forced into doing is obeying God. No person in this room can be forced into obeying God. That is only going to happen after you have a supernatural experience with God. Maybe for you it's going to be an experience like Paul had when he was going to kill Christians and Jesus appeared in front of him and he said, why are you persecuting me? And Paul said, Lord, I'm sorry. I apologize. I, please forgive me. I want to serve you now. Friends, until we have this supernatural experience with God, I don't know how it's going to be for you, but until we stand at the foot of the cross, until we grasp the enormity of who God is, until we're in awe of the cross, until that happens, all of these things are going to be a religious experience where we're constantly trying to negotiate with God. 
And when a person come, comes face to face with God, when they realize the bigness and the grandness of God, they fall back in awe and they say, I'm undone. And friends, until you are completely broken, you will not be made whole again. Until we are completely undone, until we are completely unraveled, until we stand before a holy God and say, God, I have nothing to offer you except the sin that deserves a perfect sacrifice for me to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Only until that point, then your experience will become something of much greater than you ever had before. We can't fabricate that. It won't happen through some sort of religious experience. It can only happen when the Holy Spirit awakens a dead heart, right? We've, we've, we've seen people in our lives experience that when they had a, addictions and issues and habits and idiosyncrasies. And then in one moment, with a snap, God rescues the person. The person's brand new. You look in their eyes and they love Jesus. They are not addicted to the things that they were addicted to before. Why? Because they had a supernatural experience with God. And they came to God face to face. They were unraveled, undone. And they said, God, take me as I am. There's nothing else I can do for you and that's what Paul is trying to get at in this text that you can't negotiate with God you can't barter with God you can't counsel God all you can do is stand in his glory and the problem with you and with me is that we live in a western society that has become super individualistic and super pragmatic where we say if it works it's good and if it doesn't work it's not good have you known how God works I don't know how he works how does God cancel people's debts? How does God resurrect people from a terminal illness? How does God allow, you know, moments to pass before a person was going to die in an accident and then they're not? How does it happen when a person goes to jail for the rest of their life for killing a whole bunch of people and then they come to Christ and then their whole cell block is now worshiping Jesus? How does it happen? That's not pragmatism. That's God doing His thing. And if you've ever tried to... Um, trace God. It's as hard as you trying to trace your footsteps in the ocean. It's hard to trace God, but yet He does things. So all we can do is trust and obey Him. Thank you for listening to this curated audio content from Pastor Bogdan Kipko. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired by this message. Bogdan is personally convinced that whatever fills your mind fuels your life. It is his life goal to help you faithfully follow Jesus. For more information, please visit fuelforlife.tv.